For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. We, it, I was alive once without the law, right? But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So here's what we're going we're to try to get a hold of tonight. There's going to be a lot packed into what we're talking about. First, we can all agree. We all know, behold, I was shapen in what? Iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Pretty soon, we're going to welcome a new uh, baby into the church family. And that beautiful baby is going to be conceived in sin <laughs> as a sinful nature. However, that baby, as well as, well as uh, any babies that we have as parents, uh, and, and even us when we were babies, all people are brought into the world. Yes, we're conceived in sin. Yes, we are born with the sin nature and we are all shapen in iniquity. Amen. We understand that. But we are also brought into this world in a state of innocence. Make sense? How can you have both? We're going to talk about that tonight. Because if a, a little baby would die, that baby would go and be with the Lord. Why? We talked about it in Romans chapter 5. Because God in his grace does not impute sin to that little infant, that little baby, that little child's account. Yes, they're sinners. Yes, they have a sin nature. But Romans 5.13 says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when? God said he would not impute sin when there is no law. Is sin there? Yes. What is it doing? It's lying dormant is what it's doing. Now, it might not feel like it's lying dormant for a parent that's raising a two or three or four year old. <laughs> but that two year old. Yes, that two-year-old is a cute little sinner. But that two-year-old is not putting together law and right and wrong. It, it's not, it doesn't have the mental capacity to be able to do that. So God says, if that child dies, he is not going to impute sin to that child's account. So where do little babies go when they die? With the Lord. With the Lord. But once that child gets to an age where they willfully disobey and they choose to sin, this is how it slew, slew us. This is, this, is, this is now when now God is imputing it to your account. 
And once you have that knowledge of sin, now the game changes. All of us, really, and this is the next thought I'd like to unpack tonight. All of us, and everybody that is born into this world, all of us are a reenactment of Genesis chapter 3, really. We're in a state of innocence when we're born. Just like Adam and Eve. They were born in a state of innocence. There was no sin. Everything was innocent. If a little baby dies, they die in a state of what? Innocence. God doesn't impute sin to their account. Now, what came into the garden? A serpent on the outside. What do we have? It's not a serpent on the outside. It's inward. Serpent's on inward for us. But it's the same idea. After the fall, sin entered into the world. And now we have a sinful, fallen nature. We all understand. Let me ask you this question. When? You have to stay with me. When did Eve sin? Well, when she ate of the fruit. Yes. Did she sin before she ate the fruit? I'm going to say yes. Did God impute that sin to her account? No. Why? Because the sins that she committed, and we're going to go through them in a minute here, There was no law to say you can't do that. God gave one command. And when she, when she finally broke that one command, now it's imputed to her account. But besides that, before that, where there is no law, it's not going to be imputed. God's not going to hold you responsible for something he told you not to do. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, God said in Genesis. Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's what God said. When it gets to Eve, here's what Eve said that God said. Eve said that God said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. But that wasn't what God said. Eve added to what God said. What did she do? She changed the words of God. Go to Deuteronomy 4. Look at verse 2. Deuteronomy 4. When Eve added to what God said back in Genesis, neither shall you touch it. You know what commandment she broke? She broke Deuteronomy chapter number four, which says in verse two, ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Why wasn't that imputed to her account? Because God didn't give her that command. They're in a state of innocence. So what I'm proposing to you tonight is, Way before she ate that fruit, they sinned. 
but it didn't it didn't take our human race into a fallen state of sin yet why because there wasn't a command god gave them one command but leading up that temptation and that and leading up to that she's also secretly bitter against god Hebrews 12, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. She's starting to resent God. She's having this conversation with the serpent. Not a good place to be. Uh, you don't want to even talk to the serpent. <laughs> Here, make some practical application for you young people. If you know somebody's bad news and you start talking to them and it's not a situation where you're trying to minister to them, but you start talking with them, listen to what they say, and then you're, 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 you're already being led down the wrong path. Make sense? Just by listening in, you're all, they already got your ear. You need to be careful. You know what the serpent did? Got her ear. Listen to what I have to say. Now she's starting to. She changed what God says. She's got some bitterness in her heart. You know what else she did? She listened to the serpent's false report. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. She's listening to that false report. Exodus 23, we all, we all know that verse. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 19. You know what she was supposed to do? Well, it's not fair to say she was supposed to do it because the law wasn't given for her to do it. Watch what it says in Deuteronomy 19. Uh, look at verse 18. Deuteronomy 19, verse 18. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition, and behold, if the witness be a false witness, which that's what the serpent was. And hath testified falsely against his brother. Then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. You know what God told him to do? Put it away. Put it away. What am I getting at tonight? We know all of those laws because we can look back in the Old Testament and see them. But. Adam and Eve were not given all of those laws by God in the garden. Does that make sense? We getting that? So what I'm trying to unpack is, look, God is not going to impute, in a state of innocence, he's not going to impute sin to our account until the willful disobedience come. And Eve couldn't have willfully disobeyed God in changing his word, not getting rid of the false witness, 
and doubting and having bitterness and, and resentment toward God that he might have not have the best interest for her because God didn't give her a commandment about it. He said one thing, don't do what? Don't eat the fruit. When they ate the fruit, they willfully transgressed the commandment that God gave. And that sent us all plummeting downward in sin. Before she ate of the fruit, what did we talk about this morning in, in earlier verse in Romans 7? Thou shalt not what? Covet. Before she ate that fruit, she had to do what? Covet. And it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. What did she covet? Beauty and wisdom. And then she went. And there it goes. Make sense? We get all that? So Paul is speaking for the Holy Spirit's inspiration in Romans 7. When Paul, when Saul of Tarsus got saved, he didn't meet the law. Who did he meet on the road to Damascus? He met a person. He speaks to that person. Who, out, who art thou, Lord? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He's not questioning anything about the law. And you know what you and I have to come in contact with? Well, if you're saved, you already had. But a lost person, we have got to show them the law so that they see their sinfulness. But they have to meet the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because without meeting Christ, all you're going to be standing before God, you're just going to be standing before God guilty because of his law. You've got to introduce him to Jesus Christ. But Saul, prior to his conversion, he was 100% certain in his mind, he thought he was right on everything that he did. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. You say, well, he persecuted Christians. He slew Christians. He slaughtered Christians. He did. He thought he was doing what was right. What do you mean? Go to Deuteronomy 13 and I'll show you what I mean. He studied under the feet of Gamaliel. He knew the law. He wanted to obey the law. Outwardly, he had it. Watch what it says in Deuteronomy 13. Verse number one. If there arise among you a prophet... For a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or wonder. And the sign of the wonder came to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Pretty simple to understand. A prophet or dreamer is trying to convince you or I to go after other gods. And they're false gods. Watch what it says in verse number five. What? the command is to do and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death in the old testament if you were persuaded by a 
dreamer of dreams or a prophet to go after another god, the law said, kill them. That, that's, that's the law. Because, why? He hath spoken to you, to, I'm sorry, to turn you away from the Lord your God. God gives the purpose of why in verse number five. They're trying to turn you away from God. Look at verse number six, Deuteronomy 13. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. Look at verse 8. The law said, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him. But these are my close friends. These are my close loved ones. Neither shall thine eye pity him. Neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die. Why? Because he hath sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of of bondage. That is rough stuff. Do you think Saul of Tarsus was just killing Christians because he's just some evil man? You think he's threatenings and slaughters and all this is because he's just some bad guy? Well, I guess yes. I mean you don't want to you don't want to do that, but no in the sense of he thought he was doing Right. He was trying to keep the law. And these Christians, he wasn't a Christian. He thought he was enticing people to go after other gods. So he was doing what the law told him to do. In his mind, that's what he thought. Until he met the Lord on the Damascus Road. And all that changed. And he realized, oops, I got the whole thing wrong. But he thought he was keeping the law. But he wasn't. Watch what it says in verse 13. It was rough living back in these days. Certain men, the children of Bileal, are among out, are gone out from among you. And have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods which ye have not known. Then shalt thou inquire and make search, and ask diligently, and behold, if it be true, and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought among you, thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is therein, and the cattle thereof, with the edge of the sword. Look at the last verse. Verse 18, when thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments 
which I command thee this day to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. It was an illusion to Paul that he was alive. He thought he was doing right, but he wasn't. He thought they were going after other gods. And when he met the one true God, he realized he got it all wrong. His eyes were open when he met the person of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, take a deep breath. Go back to Romans 7. Was that, was it, everybody got that? I, I, I tend, sometimes I go too fast. So I'm not sure if everybody's getting it. Romans 7. Look at verse. Okay, so verse 9. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So, commandment came. For, okay, God gave one commandment to Adam and Eve. When they broke that commandment, death, separation from God. Saul of Tarsus meets the Lord Jesus Christ and rode to Damascus. And he realized, oops, I didn't have the law like I thought I had. Okay? We witness to someone. Why do we talk about sin and commandment? Because we want them to come to that same spot. Oops, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Verse 10, and the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Supposed to be a guide, and the commandments of God are supposed to be a blessing. I mean, it's good. But it works as a measuring stick for right or wrong. Talk about that this morning. Your heart's like a pool of water. You get and you think it's a, a great, pure spring of water. And you want to drink out. But your kid comes and grabs a stick and puts the stick in there. Then he starts moving it around. That stick hits the bottom. And before you know it, you realize there's a bunch of mud and filthy creatures on the bottom. Of it. And you didn't know it was there, but you didn't know it was there until the stick went in and you started to churn it. And that's what the law is. Sin's there. That law hits and it starts, oh wait, I'm not as pure as I thought I was. I'm not as good as I have claimed to be. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Well, that's not fair. That's not what Paul said. He got a hold of that and he knew he was guilty. And once sin has been imputed, now the law changes. It was ordained to life, but now it's verse 13 at the end that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. See that? Verse 11 we'll go to now. Romans 7, 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. Well, it didn't make you sin. It just defined you as a sinner. It shows you how wrong you are. 
But here's the deception. People say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But they're never satisfied. It's a deception. I've got an excuse. Yeah, you might have an excuse for your sin. But don't think that is a defense before God. People are deceived in the thinking that they're okay. I'll get away with it. Yeah, you might get away with it this time in your eyes, but not in God's eyes. And you keep doing it. You're just going to have. I'm going to get away with it. Says this. The consequences are going to hit me. Oh, no, they're going to hit you. The consequences of your sin will hit you. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Wherefore, uh, sorry, verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. It should. It should take all the hope that you have in you, and for me, all the hope that I have in me, and it should slay. It should slay. And we need to realize that our own power can't help. Too many Christians, I'm not talking about us, although you can make some application if you'd like, they're just too gullible. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit that. But they never consulted with the Lord. The problem that shows up in Romans 7 all throughout the entire chapter, you can count them if you want. There's, there's got to be over 30 references to I and me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to quit this. I'm going to quit that. How about the Lord? Does he have a say? The last thing Paul does, we'll look at tonight. Look at Romans 7, 12. He says, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Now, this commandment, it was given to help Adam and Eve. God had their best interests in mind. He provided that commandment for their well-being. He didn't give it to them to kill them. And that's the paradox of the law. It is holy. It is just. It is good. It's God voicing his best interests for you and me. And if you follow them, you will produce holy fruit. And if they, would have, if they would have kept that one command, they would have had perfect harmony with God and with man. Young people, how many of you have rules at your house? How many of you have rules at your house that you've broken? How many of you have rules at your house that you've broken and mom or dad have blew a gasket when you've broken The wrath of God abideth on the children of disobedience. So if you think dad's wrath was bad, wait until God's wrath falls on It's not going to be good. 
keep the commands, there's harmony and there's peace. You break God's commands, there's chaos. And the only way to have peace is God has to send his own son to reconcile him and keep all of the law because it's only just in him because you and I could. And we're getting in on Christ's merit because he is the Prince of Peace. And he's never breaking any of the law. He fulfilled all of it. That's why you can have peace in your heart and I can have peace in my heart and a lost person can have peace in his heart. The law also is there to show you and I talked about it, how sinful you are. If we are playing basketball and I stop bouncing the ball and I run with it and then I put it into the basket, what would you tell me? That's traveling. You can't do that. You broke the law. You broke the rule. If I didn't know the rule, what's wrong with it? Well, now you know. Now you're responsible. But it's not wrong until there's a law. If there's no law in that, guys just take the ball, run, and do what they want to do. Until that law comes. It's the same thing with Adam and Eve. It's the same thing with us. Well, what side of the road do you drive? The right side. I mean, the right side, like this side, not right meaning correct. The right side would be the correct right side. But why don't you drive on the left side? Well, because we live in the United States. If you went to another country and you followed that rule, what would happen? You get in a car accident. Some countries, they drive on the left side of the road. And then if you go to Brazil, you just don't even get on the road. They're on both sides of the lane. They'll just run you over. If they hit you too, I mean, the guy might get a $10 ticket. But look, what, what happens? The rules change. And then they got these streets that are one way. You can't drive the other way. All of that, none of that is wrong until the law says don't do it. But the paradox of the law, yes, it's holy, it's just, and it's good. But sinful men, it, they, they'll take something good and they'll turn it into evil. The loveliness, the loveliness of love, what will man turn it into? Lust. The integrity of independence, man will take it to this. Right? They, they're just obsessed with more power and more money. Close out with this thought. Paul. In verse number 12 says this. I am going to uphold God's law. It's holy and just and good. And what does he do? As he condemns himself. What do we need to do? Uphold God's commandments. Uphold God's word. It's holy. It's just. It's right and good. And what should we do? We should take the back step and say, okay, let's condemn ourselves. Nothing wrong with the law, nothing wrong with God's word, nothing wrong with God. It's us. It should crush our self-hope. 